0: with the same words I used to end our sermon, the sermon on Palm Sunday morning from Frederick Buechner as he reflects a little bit on Good Friday. God so loved the world, John writes, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is to say that God so loved the world that he gave his only son even to this obscene horror, so loved the world that in some ultimately indescribable way and at some ultimately immeasurable cost, he gave the world himself. Out of this terrible death, John says, came eternal life. Not only in the sense of resurrection to life after death, but also in the sense of life so precious, even this side of death, that to live it is to stand with one foot already in eternity. To participate in the sacrificial life and death of Jesus Christ is to live already in his kingdom. This is the essence of the Christian message, the heart of the good news. And it's why the cross has become the chief Christian symbol a cross of all things, a guillotine, a gallows. But the cross at the same time as the crossroads of eternity and time, as the place where such a mighty heart was broken that the healing power of God himself could flow through it into a sick and broken world. It was for this reason that of all the possible words they could have used to describe the day of his death, The word they settled on was good. Good Friday. Today, this evening, as we come to the Friday we call good, I think we all know instinctively that it was good for us, good for our salvation. But what about Jesus? Undoubtedly, The night before he came to grips with his sacrifice in the Garden of Gethsemane. But what about hanging on the cross? If you've ever seen a a fake tombstone, maybe in someone's lawn for Halloween or, or in a comic strip or cartoon, invariably the tombstone will have three letters written on it R I P Rest in peace. And while they may use that phrase rather flippantly in Jesus last words from the cross he shows us how to truly rest in peace how to rest in peace in death but also in life so as we continue to remember Jesus suffering and death sitting at the foot of the cross let's listen to Jesus as his words teach us about living and dying First of all, living and dying in the atmosphere of God's Word. That phrase, atmosphere of God's Word, comes from C.H. Spurgeon. It it speaks of Jesus' life being bathed in Scripture. Though Jesus was the, the ultimate original thinker, after all, he created the world out of nothing, he constantly used Scripture to state his thoughts and feelings. He answered the temptations of Satan with Scripture. He answered the criticism of the Pharisees and the priests from Scripture. He taught his disciples about life with Scripture. And now, even from the cross, many of his last words evoked Old Testament Scripture, as we've already noted, including this one, which comes from Psalm 31, verse 5. Let me read part of that psalm. As David writes this psalm, he writes, "In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. He continues on in that vein for a while, and then he ends with these verses. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart. All you who hope in the Lord. David, in the midst of his struggles, in the midst of his concern over his, his very life, commits his life, commits his, his well-being into the hands of God. Jesus then takes that scripture and uses it to commit his spirit into the hands of God. And as he does so, he also teaches us something about how scripture as we hide it in our hearts and in our minds, can be called back again and again for comfort, for strength, for guidance, for praise, in any situation in our lives, and especially in the time of death. Now think about it. If Jesus, who who surely did not have a great need for the Word as we do, after all, He is the Word of God, if He calls on Scripture in a time of need, then how much more should we hide it in our hearts and find its strength and comfort for our lives? Jesus lived and died in that atmosphere of God's Word. How are we doing? How are we living? Are we living in the atmosphere of God's Word? Have we hidden it? in our hearts to recall it when we need it the most but jesus also tells us something about our approach to god about living and dying in relationship with the father one of the first things we sense when we hear this last word is that apparently god's curse on jesus has been removed or soon will be But his fellowship with the Father who had forsaken him is now being restored. Jesus knows that he's going home to the Father, something that helps him rest in peace on the cross. And so Jesus teaches us that God is not some impersonal deity like the gods that the people around them worshipped, but he's a loving Father, one whom we can approach as Father not only throughout our lives, but also at the point of death, which is, for us as it was for Jesus, a homecoming. This is true only because Jesus took the curse upon himself. So we are reconciled and stand in eternal fellowship once again with our Father. We are not forsaken as he was because he was forsaken on our behalf. But then Jesus also shows us something about living and dying in the hands of the Father. He shows us something about committing his life to the Father. You know, Jesus had done that with his entire earthly life. From the outset, at age 12 in the temple, he knew he had to be about his father's business. He told his disciples early on that his father's will and work was his food and drink. The very reason he came to earth. Even his death was part of that work. Since being perfect, Jesus wasn't subject to death. After all, the wages of sin is death. But in his work, in his role, he took our sin upon himself. And now his work was finished as he declared. So he can give himself, his work, his very soul, very spirit, over to the Father. Now when we commit, want to commit something to someone, maybe commit a secret to them or or commit some money to them or, or maybe the safety of our children or the like, we want to know that person. We want to be able to trust them. Some things we can trust only to parents and and, and siblings, to blood relatives. Well, Jesus shows us that we can commit the most important part of ourselves, our soul, our spirit, to God the Father. That's true for our lives. Our lives should be committed into the hands of the Father. That's what David is doing in Psalm 31 because the Father can take care of us better than we can ourselves. So it's true for our lives, but it's also true for our death. These are also words we can die with, as did the martyr Stephen in Acts chapter 7, knowing that even then, especially then, we are in the good hands of the Father. The peaceful truth of these last words of Jesus are echoed for us in the heidelberg catechism question and answer number one there we're reminded that whether in life or in death whether in body or in soul we can commit ourselves into the hands of the father through the one to whom we belong our faithful savior jesus christ let me close with that question and answer what is your only comfort in life and in death that i am not my own Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Would you join me in the unison prayer once again? Father, into whose hands your Son, Jesus Christ, commended his spirit, grant that we too, following his example may in all of life and at the moment of our death entrust our lives into your faithful hands of love in the name of jesus who gave his life for us all amen let's once again praise the one who went to the cross for us as we see him again on that cross behold the lamb it's number 840 if you're following along and lift up your hearts Number 840, and we'll sing the four stanzas. Let's stand as we sing. turn with me in the back of your gray psalter hymnals.